Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. I'm your host, Rain Whaley. And I'm Jeremy Blair. And uh, before we really get started, I just wanted to give a brief uh, shout out to our uh, listeners, one in particular, uh, the one, the only, uh, Joel Schumacher. Yeah, uh, man. For, for listening, you know, uh, you know, Jeremy kind of said it before we started recording. Uh, I hope he's happy that Robert Pattinson's going to be the new Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joel, you know, buddy, we really appreciate your, uh, you know, your support. And um, we hope that you enjoy today's episode uh, as, as well as all the ones in the past. So uh, thank you again, Joel, for listening. And, um, <clears throat> and again, I like the number uh, 23 in phone booth. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, and, and it's not I. all bad. And I really liked uh, uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, well, well there you go. Yeah. I forgot he did that. Yeah. Oh, my God. My mom <laughs> loves that movie. Anytime, can I tell you, anytime Patrick Wilson is in anything, she'll go, oh. <laughs> she'll do just that. Oh. He was in Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Yeah, is, is, does your mom like The Conjuring? She does actually. Yeah, she loves The Conjuring. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, bro, when she when Patrick Wilson came up on screen, she goes, "Oh, <laughs> he was in Phantom of the Opera." <laughs> oh, he has a great singing voice, and not for nothing, but handsome. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, and apparently he he and uh, uh, Emmy Rossum uh, were the only two of the cast on Phantom of the Opera who didn't need any, like, singing or opera lessons because yeah. they've done it. Yeah. Uh, Gerard Butler was the only one who, who needed vocal lessons yeah. because he had never done opera before. Uh, welcome back to this week's episode yeah. of Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. All right. Let's actually get started. Ryan, go for it. Okay. So unlike la- uh, last week where... Or the week before, I should say, uh, where me and Jeremy discussed horror films and just kind of listed horror movies for <laughs> just three kind hours. Of rambled, but it was fun. Um, today we're going to be discussing uh, a, a film genre that is oddly like kind of compelling. I mean, Dane Cook himself even says uh, all men want to be part of one of these, uh, and that's yeah. a heist. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be discussing uh, heist films, uh, kind of what makes a good heist, why it seems like audiences are so kind of enthralled yeah. by a heist. Um, right. So so why do you think, Jeremy, that everyone is just so, like, every time when there's a heist, you're like, yeah, I want to do that. It just looks so cool, <laughs> you know? Every time they get someone in the heist, you know, it, I mean... Let's take Ocean's Eleven, the remake, okay, uh, as an example. So Steven Soderbergh's remake of Ocean's Eleven, right? Um, every single person in that movie was so cool, yeah. right? I mean, Danny Ocean, oh, obviously, dude. All right, so George <laughs> Clooney, um, Brad Pitt, Matt, Matt Damon, Damon. Um, even, um, oh man, sorry, everyone. Jeez Louise, what is his name now? I was going to say Elliot Gould. <laughs> Even Elliot Gould's the coolest guy in the room. Because they are coming together, they're hatching a plan, they're smart, they know what to do, they plan ahead, mm-hmm. they... I mean, it's... Everybody has what they need to be doing, right? No one is there 
for just just to sit there. Everyone is there to do something right. to help, right? Right. I mean, you got Casey Affleck, uh, and, right, I forgot and his quote brother um, Scott Kahn, right? Yeah, their dynamics hilarious, right? Um, Julia Roberts, uh, Bernie Mac. Uh, did, was Don Cheadle in yeah. Ocean's Eleven? Yeah, Don Cheadle's in all three. That's right. Uh, he's the uh, he's the Cockney uh, explosive expert. I haven't seen. Uh, I'm not gonna just keep looking through MDB. Yeah, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take your report. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, heist films are just so cool, man. Um, I don't know what it is about it that makes it cool. I, I mean, I, I guess it's because they're stealing something. That's kind of cool. I, yeah. Right? Well, and something I wrote in my notes was. Um, you root for the criminals. You do. Like, I mean, in, in, in you know, a normal, you know, uh, moral compass person, you know, like, uh, I, I think in any situation, like, oh, no, stealing's bad. But when you're watching a heist movie, you're like, yes. Absolutely. And a lot of times in heist films, they're stealing from someone worse. Right. Right. Which you're like, that's okay. I've yeah. never been told I have a great moral compass anyway, so I'm always <laughs> rooting for bad guys. But, um, but especially in heist films. I mean, you said yourself in the horror episode, you know, bad guys got to win. Bad guys got to win. Bad guys got to win in a horror movie for it to be a horror <laughs> movie for this guy. All right. Um, but yeah, man, um, heist films are just cool. Yeah. And that's just that's just the the playing and simple of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so so I, I I figured we would talk about like what makes a good heist film, you know, and I I've got my notes on, mm-hmm. you know, what I what I found out. Um, and so I guess we can just go back and forth sure. with that. Yeah. And maybe you can contradict what I say or We'll see. You haven't you haven't Vice started yet. Yeah. I mean, let's not assume I'm going to disagree with you. So, so I wrote down. Uh, I found an article that kind of helped me understand what makes a good uh, heist film, and I wrote down eight things that make a good heist film. And uh, the first one is the basics, which of course are the planning stage, mm-hmm. the execution stage, and the escape. Yeah. Um, and one thing I didn't realize until I was reading this article is the escape part of the plan is usually neglected mm-hmm. because it's usually the hardest part to pull off. So yeah. that it's, you know, usually works 10% of the time, you yeah. know, um, which I was like, wow, I didn't think about that, but it makes kind of sense because I mean, yeah, in the moment they're, they're like, yeah, you know, we're going to, we're going to pull it off. We're going to get away. But it seems like it's like, well, how are you going to get away though? Right. Um, and then the other thing I noticed, like any part of this planning stage or the the basics that's missing, it's it's gonna fail. Yeah. Like if you don't have an execution, then you don't technically have a plan. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, would you Would you say I'm missing anything for no, that? No. Um, I I I mean that's exactly what it is. Um, you know, you did miss assembling a team. That's well, I, that's uh, that's that's step three. Oh, okay, that's step three. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, and you know, I think you know, thinking about it now and looking at my notes that I didn't do before, uh, <laughs> I didn't look at my notes while we were talking beforehand. Um, is that probably people love heist films the same reason why they love Law and Order SVU mm-hmm. is that it's procedural, right. right? There, there is a procedure to heist films. Mm-hmm. Now we'll later talk about some films that kind of break the procedure mm-hmm. um, while still maintaining 
that subgenre of crime films. Right. Um, but it is this sort of color by numbers, but it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you know what they need to do to pull off a heist. We've seen it a million times. Right. Uh, since 1915, the Asphalt Jungle. Um, yeah. The article I read was saying this is the blueprint. Okay. Uh, John Houston's The Asphalt Jungle. Okay. Um, is where we get the procedure from. Right. Um, you go ahead. Yeah, so uh, I'll just go ahead and run through these sure. eight yeah. things. Yeah, because um, so two is complications. You know, there's always going to be complications in the plan because right. no plan is 100% foolproof, even if they say, like, oh, yeah, it's foolproof. Right. And that's why we get to know the plan ahead of time. So when we know when something goes wrong. Right. Yeah, which right. I think you mentioned that in our noir episode. I, right. So that's why they explained it to you. They explain it to you or to each other, but really it's for us, right. the audience, uh, so we know when something goes wrong. So in the beginning of the movie Heat, mm. it goes right because we didn't see the plan. We didn't see them plan it out. Oh, right? okay. Uh, it had to go correctly. It had to go right. Mm-hmm. Um, because how do we know otherwise? Right. Right. Oh, okay. You see what I'm saying? Right. Um, go ahead. Uh, then, uh, like I said, part three, assembling the team. Assembling the team. And one thing I, uh, another thing I didn't notice about high film, high film, so I read the article, is that everyone doesn't really have like a relation at, to each other at mm-hmm. some point. So like what, how, how it was kind of worded and I kind of wrote it down to help me understand it is person A shouldn't relate to person B, C, or D and vice versa. Like they don't, need to like they I mean like kind of like you, you know you mentioned Ocean's 11 you know 12 and 13 by then they are all they're all friends but right. in that moment you know they don't know who each other are and they just know like I know who you are you can help you know kind of right. yeah um then uh, I have number four as a reason beyond cash. So a re- you know another reason to pull off a heist besides just a large sum the of money. The monetary gain, yeah. Yeah. Um, number five, what I mentioned, you root for the criminals. You do. Yeah. Uh, number six, an element of ridiculousness. Or well, it's just <laughs> ridiculous, but right. Uh, like, like the article mentioned how like in uh, the first Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. when Tom Cruise is dangling and he grabs the bead of sweat like. Right. Who? No one. I don't think. I don't think I've ever caught a bead of sweat intentionally. Yeah. Maybe accidentally if I'm working with my hands. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I'll agree to that. At least <laughs> some heist movie I've seen has some element of some ridiculous thing right. in it. Um, and then the the last two I have uh, is the plausibility, um, which is you know the the in between of believability and probability. Right. And then the last one, and you mentioned, is the willingness to break the rules. Yeah. Like, to take all of the stuff I just mentioned and then just, like, you know what? Now we're going to disregard all of that. We're going to disregard at least some of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so so that's that's what I read, what makes a really good heist film. Cool. Uh, yeah. That is, that is correct. <laughs> I would agree with that. Um, yeah. I mean, God, heist films are so cool. Anyway, um... <laughs> I would say that, like I said, Asphalt Jungle, that's the blueprint, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so it was the Asphalt Jungle in 1950, and then when we get to 1969, it's the Italian job. Okay. Okay. And in the Italian job, what they did was they... 
they kept the heist, they kept the assembling the team, they kept the planning, but they left out the dark noir aspects and mm-hmm. they added comedic, lighthearted elements. Okay. So this is where we really get the fun heist movie. Okay. Right? It's not, you know, it's not dark and dreary. Mm-hmm. You know, it is fun, it's lighthearted, it's it's a caper, you know? Right. Um, and I don't know if you've ever seen The Italian Job uh, with Michael Caine uh, in uh, I have not. I have not. It's s- great. Uh, as we mentioned off mic, I have not seen even the the remake with no. uh, Mark Wahlberg and Jason Statham. And Seth Green. Don't leave out Seth Green. Come Seth on. Green's in that? Yes. Se- that I haven't seen it. So oh, well, oh, yeah, well, there you go. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> so I think when you look at these two films, Asphalt Jungle and Italian Job, mm-hmm. together they make up most of what heist films are. Right. Right. Unless. 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 Unless you take something and you leave out some other stuff. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. I'm obviously just kidding for for comedic effect because everybody's seen this movie. In 2010, Christopher Nolan gave us Inception. Yes. Uh, Inception is a heist movie. Yes. A very uh, in-depth heist movie. Yeah, it is. It is a science fiction heist movie. And it is the most entertained I've ever been at the movies, I bet. Oh, yeah. Um, Hands down, right? And because I love Dream Logic, I love Tom Hardy, I love Christopher Nolan, and... And you love Leonardo DiCaprio. And I do. I I do love me some Leo. Leo DiCaps. Um, Oh, and I forgot Ellen Page is also one Ellen Page. And uh, the dude who played Scarecrow in uh, Batman Begins. I can't think of his (laughs) name. Killian Murphy. That's right. Yeah. Um, Whom I also... I love Killian Murphy. So what Christopher Nolan did was he took... Okay, we're going to assemble a crew. We're going to plan the heist. We're going to execute a heist. And they're like, okay, great. And he goes, oh, I'm not done. They're stealing thoughts and, and dreams. And he goes, oh. <laughs> I'm sure that producer's like, oh, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, why would anyone want that? Oh, it's the coolest thing. Oh, right? yeah. And it also kept, you know, what Italian Job did was it's – it's more high class. I mean, everyone's always wearing suits, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which is also very cool to me. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I think suits are really cool. Um, and it, I mean, it's a heist film and a science fiction film together. Right. right? Uh, much like American Animals is a documentary and a heist film together. Okay. Um, if you've ever seen American Animals, it came out a couple years ago. I don't believe I did. Um, it stars Evan Peters. Uh, from, oh. Right. And the kid, he was in Dunkirk and in Killing of a Sacred Deer. I forgot his name. I apologize. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about that one because yeah. it's based on a true story, isn't it? Right. And they actually, it's the guy who did The Imposter, which was a, a documentary. God, it <laughs> must be nine years old by now. And um, uh, Bart Layton. Yes, and that's a documentary, right? Technically, so is American Animals. So American Animals melds documentary and fictional plot narrative 
together, okay. right? So to where we're intercutting from the action to the real people talking about it. Oh, and in okay. some cases, the real people end up in the the dramatized version. version. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, it is so much fun to watch. It is so interesting. It's very compelling. And the story is insane. You won't believe it. you got to see it. It's on, it's on Netflix, isn't it? Um, I believe it's either on Netflix or it's on Amazon at the time of this recording. Yeah, I feel like I saw that somewhere. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I remember watching uh, one of the GQ, like, role things where they did with Evan Peters, and mm. that was, like, the last one he talked about. Yeah. So, it was yeah. probably the last one he did at the time. Yeah, I, I um, think I'm going to have to watch that now. So, you know, with these blueprints, so with Asphalt Jungle with Italian Job, the fun parts about a blueprint and a rule book is knowing which rules you can break. Right. Right. And with American Animals, it's, you know, why does it have to be just a straight, dramatized narrative, like based on a true story sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Why don't we just add in the real guys in there? Right. And it works so well. I highly, highly recommend American Animals to anyone. Okay. All right. Um, another one that sort of breaks the rules is Good Time. I have not seen Good Time. Whew. This one is for sure on Amazon at the time of this recording. <laughs> uh, I believe it's an Amazon original, I think, like their production company. Mm-hmm. I'll make it. Um, I believe. Anyway, it's got Robert Pattinson. Uh, who's who's uh, Batman? Right. <laughs> Which we mentioned at the top of the show. Um, this is probably the best movie he's ever done, hands down. Uh, well, there, there's a bunch of fans who are ready to fight you because of Twilight. Well, no. I mean, there's probably a lot of a lot of people who are like, what about Cosmopolis? Or what about, you know, The Rover or whatever? Yes, those are also good. <laughs> this one is better. All right? Okay. So what Good Time does is... Instead of coming together, planning, executing, mm-hmm. gain, it's all that in five minutes, the rest of the movie is escape. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And it is wild. You are on the edge of your seat the entire time. It is the most nervous. <laughs> I've ever been. I'm just like, oh my God, is he going to get out of this? And, you know. So it's kind of like the, the last... Like 45 minutes of Baby Driver? Yeah. Innocence? Except it's two hours of that. Oh, 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 man. Yeah, it is so, so great. I am a huge fan of Good Time. If you haven't seen Good Time, stop listening to this stupid thing and watch it right now because it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry I called you things stupid, Rain, but... Listen, good time is worth it. All right. Okay, I think I'll. I'll I think I definitely have to. I'm gonna have to watch it now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because um, you know, and I mentioned Baby Driver. Would you say that's another heist film that kind of breaks the rules? Because it's more so based on the getaway. You know, it's more focused on Baby. Right. It is. We do see the planning. We do kind of see the the assembling. Although the assembling is done for, it's done before we get there. Right. Right. Um. What's his name? Um, 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 oh, my God. Uh, Kevin Spacey. Kevin I just, Spacey. I don't uh, remember his. Doc. Doc, yeah. Um, Doc has already assembled everything. He's already done everything right. before Baby gets there, which we follow Baby as the audience, right? Right. And Or Miles, if you've watched it till the end. That's right. Um, and you're right. It is 
all about the getaway, right, for each heist. So mm-hmm. this is an interesting heist film where it's not just one, but it's like three heists. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is tons of fun. That's kind of what Heat is as well. Heat is more than one heist. Right. Um, so I would say most heist films are one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously heist films can be more than one heist. And Right. Know. Yeah. I, I'll say that. I've, I've noticed most heist films... It's all usually building up to one big, right. massive heist. But yeah, Baby Driver, you know, they do the bank job at the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. The um, the the smaller branch bank in the middle of the movie, and then like the the bonds federal yeah. some federal building in the, the end of the movie, yeah. which goes wrong. Um, but we knew how it was supposed to go. So. Yeah, which is something else I want to bring up. Uh, call back to our very first episode of Quentin Tarantino with Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. You know, as, as we mentioned, that's a heist film where you don't see the heist. That's right. Um, but we knew the plan. So, and, you know, it went wrong. Um, but because, would you say... Once again, I'm going to ask, that went wrong because we saw the heist go wrong. Like the portion of the movie is Mm -hmm. just the aftermath. Would you say that's another heist movie that breaks the rules? Oh, for sure. Um, Not only does it break rules, you you didn't even see the heist, right? But it also breaks, you know, narrative structure rules where we don't see it in order. Right. Yeah. Um, so we do kind of. I mean, obviously, we know what happened because we have people talking about it. Right. Right. We have you know people saying, "Well, I saw this go wrong, and then they started shooting, so I started shooting." And it's like, "Oh, okay." And so you're kind of picturing it in your head, like, "Okay, I think I got it." We kind of see where the heist may have took place by you know when Steve Buscemi is just just sprinting, it. Yeah, yeah. sprinting down the sidewalk, and so we kind of have an idea of the setting, sort of. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know it's in the shopping area of town, right? Right. Maybe on a busy street. I don't know. And <laughs> <laughs> and you know we so we get all of this information without seeing it mm-hmm. right but we do get the planning we do get the assembling you know and we get the aftermath but we don't get the actualized right yeah and 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 another thing you know it always seems like in heist films um the police always somehow catch wind of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so using Reservoir Dogs again as an example, you know, they were tracking, um, I can't think of the the mob boss's name. I can't either. But, you know, they send in Tim Roth. Right. Undercover to, you know, infiltrate. And his job essentially was to make sure the heist didn't happen. Or, or just, because I never really understood his goal. Just well, he's, you know, he's undercover. Right. So he does whatever they do. It's not about stopping the heist. It's about stopping the crime syndicate altogether. Uh, okay. So what you usually, like in a Donnie Brasco situation, shout out to Donnie Brasco. <laughs> it's where I learned the term fugazi and I use it all the time. Uh, <laughs> is... They've not. They're not there to stop a particular crime from happening. They're there to stop. They want to stop all crime. All of it, right? And oh, so, to okay. build a case, you got to have this guy do some stuff with them, 
so he can gather evidence and build a case and get these guys. Welcome back to uh, how going undercover works. <laughs> Next up, The Departed. No, um, on how it goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, no, it's you know. So yeah, that's why he was there. Okay, all right, it makes it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so something that I've always loved about heist films. You know, is the execution so okay? Like we're doing it right now. Yeah, let's just go. I think Ocean the 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 remake and then the the sequels. Oh, maybe not Ocean's Twelve, but oh, definitely Ocean's Eleven and Thirteen. Yeah, um, I love seeing the planning stages of both of those movies. Yeah. I remember Thirteen more. I don't know why. I think it's just because. I love Thirteen the best. I think Thirteen was oh, really. Like? I think Thirteen was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, seeing the planning stage of that and then seeing the actual execution of the plan, yeah, I think was brilliant. Yeah, uh, especially when it was, you know, very twist and turny. Mm-hmm. You know, and Al Pacino's like, oh, "You think you got away, but you know, I'm going to burn you." And then George Clooney's like, "Well, yeah." At the same time, you think we did that, but we also did this. And then Al- right. and then just seeing, like, that whole Al Pacino knows he lost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just... I think those, that's, those two parts of a heist film I love seeing. I mean, I love seeing the, the team coming together. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, this is so-and-so, and this is his special skill. Right. You know, this is... Liam Neeson, he does everything, you know, but <laughs> or whatever. Uh, yeah, you know, and I, I, I'm just, I've always loved the planning and then the execution part right. of a heist film. So, like uh, another one, you know, we were kind of talking about off mic uh, was Ant Man. I yep. loved, I love seeing the planning and the training stages of that movie. That those are probably some of like the funniest scenes. Yeah. In the movie, like when Hope's training him and right. Uh, He's he's using his uh, what's his degree in electrical engineering, I think. I don't remember. Uh, to like mess with the regulator, right? And and uh, Hank's like, you know, don't mess with that regulator. You're gonna subatomic, subatomic. Ah, I can't talk subatomic. And Paul Rudd is like, yeah, if it ain't broke, yeah. <laughs> I just I don't know. Like, what, but I also feel like also in like a more suspenseful heist film. The planning and execution is a little bit more intense. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen it; it's been sometimes I've seen it, but the town, the town, uh, yeah. Ben Affleck directed that one mm-hmm. too, didn't he? he? Sure did. Um, it's been sometimes I've seen it. Maybe you can refresh my memory, sure, because I know how it ends. I know that uh, Ben Affleck gets away because mm-hmm. it was him and Jeremy Renner kind of butting heads the entire movie. Yeah, they were basically brothers. They'd grown up together. Okay. And, um, but yeah, so we, we open, right? The movie opens after it gives a little, a little, um, you know, sort of overview of what, where the term the town comes from. It's from Charlestown. Why is Charlestown important? It's like the, the most crime ridden or the most robbery crime ridden. Um, city in the world or okay. in the United States or whatever and we go from that to um, to narration of the driver's name is Arthur Shea right mm-hmm. and then we go through like they, they're in a van and they're saying here's the armored car driver here is where he lives here are his activities here's why we can beat him and there's the other guy here's the other guy's name Here's how much he weighs. Here's how much, right? And we're, I mean, he didn't say how much he weighs, but anyway. Um, 
Here's where he lives. Blah, blah, blah. They've done so much research on these guys mm-hmm. just so they know exactly when they can take the, take the truck. Right. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, and it just hits the ground running uh, with the, the armored car heist. Okay. Right? And the fact that they all have Boston accents is maybe my favorite part <laughs> of the whole thing. Um, I am a huge fan of the Boston accent and uh, always will be. I'm sure, I'm sure Ben Affleck really appreciates that. It makes the movie a thousand times better, Rain. Oh, I, I know. Well, you ever seen Mr. River? Don Baby Gone? Yeah. You know why these movies are great? Boston accent. <laughs> Um, but like, but that's, that's another one of those heist movies where like the final heist goes wrong, right? right. Yeah. Because if I remember correctly, the ending scene is Jeremy Renner, pretty much like the police are facing him down and he's like behind a mailbox, like, yeah. like, oh shit. But Ben Affleck is like gone. Yeah. Uh, cause because wasn't it Ben Affleck was trying to get out of doing heists? I don't... Like I said, it's been so long since I've seen yeah, he Yeah, uh, he met this girl. Um, he met her because he was doing recon, because it was one that they had taken um, as a hostage oh. on, <laughs> on one of the heists, and just to make sure she's not going to talk, right? Mm. So he's, like, casing the house or whatever and, you know, trying to see where she works, where she lives, things like that. Mm-hmm. And when they run into each other at the laundromat, they kind of hit it off and then they start dating, right? So now he he doesn't want anything to do with Heist anymore. He's he's met the girl of his dreams, right? right? And I think her name is Rebecca Ferguson. Is that her name? Um, yeah, British actress. I don't remember her name. Anyway. Uh, okay. And I think it's Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> don't have it written down or anything. So, so anyway, yes. Yeah, so he does want to get out, mm. right? And you know, his dad is Chris Cooper, who's been in jail, and he has the coolest line in the movie. Are you ready? Okay. He goes, "I gotta die three times before I get out of here." There's the coolest line I've ever heard saying, "You are serving three life senses back to back." That's what that means, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, he says he's got to die three times before he gets out of here. And I love that line. Anyway, he's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> he's so cool and so bad, right? Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, the town. So we do, and this is also one with multiple heists. Okay. Right? Um, the reason my mom refuses to watch it is the the heist where they're wearing the nun masks. Oh, okay. uh, she says it like, it's too scary. Isn't it like so. the, the 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 very first heist? Right? No, no. Um, it's like the second or third. Oh, okay. And or I guess the second heist. And so <laughs> they're wearing the nun masks. There's a great shot, and it's based on something that's actually happened in Boston, mm-hmm. where. This this cop sees all the men in their masks in the van. Mm-hmm. He looks at them, and then he turns his head the opposite direction, and then they go away, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just um, because he didn't want to die. Oh, right? okay. He didn't want to engage because they'd shoot him. They'd kill right. him, right? And that's something that's actually happened in Boston before. Oh my God. So, so would you say the town is one of those heist films that is taking aspects of real life? Some, some, yeah. yeah I mean, just with some little, you know, tidbits like that. You know, when they're doing their research, when they're, you know, going on ride-alongs, when they're talking to FBI and, you know, detectives and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they'll give them anecdotes and sometimes they'll use those anecdotes okay in the movie like that yeah cuz cuz that was something i read in 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 all my research is that like you know part about the 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 plausibility mm-hmm. of it all that you know Something because like the, the article I read kind of broke it down like oh you know believability and probability right. you know the believability obviously it could really happen right the probability of them actually succeeding and then you know the the plausibility is you know in the in between mm-hmm. and you know kind of reading that like I think it's interesting when a heist film is made that has very real bits in it mm-hmm. so like in I'm probably about to like alienate a bunch of people it may be me maybe I'll storm out of here I know you won't because okay. I know you said you, you literally just told me you've never seen a single oh, okay, great. Uh, because the one series of heist films that has no plausibility and they even know they have no plausibility is the Fast and Furious series. Right, I have not seen a single one of those. Um, right. So, like, it's so crazy that this series started all about just cars. Yeah. Right? Kind of kind of a, you know, Reservoir Dogs, you know, uh, Paul Walker, RIP, you know, send in undercover to infiltrate these, you know, car boosting gangs. Yeah. And gets wrapped up in the life, you know. <laughs> yeah, but then, that's so cool. I, I, I know. Uh, but then, you know, after three, when we get to Fast and Furious, now Fast and Furious 4, well, I say three, Tokyo Drift. Because Tokyo Drift happens in the future. Yeah, they, it's so confusing. They were planning, <laughs> they, they, they were biting off more than they were chewing. They're like, no, we bet we could probably loop this back. And they did. I've, uh, heard, they did. I've heard, they, I heard they did loop it back. They did, yeah. It was after, um, was it five? Five. Yeah, I want to say that was one of Luke Evans. It's insane. Yeah. Anyway, um, but so anyway, so after Tokyo Drift, they did Fast and Furious. That mm-hmm. was technically four. Okay. Well, actually, for me, probably three. Anyway, oh, that's when I noticed a uh, shift into like heist. Like let, let's, yeah, because I think fa- Fast and Furious is. Uh, that's not the one with the rock. That's Fast Five, I think. Oh wow. my god, I can't. There's a lot of these. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't believe this. And I've seen this one too, man. Like, are you serious right now? Um, anyway, but like, they just do like ridiculous things. Like, uh, mm-hmm. in uh, Fast. <sighs> Fast Seven. That was the last one with Paul Rock- Walker, right? I don't know. I want to say it was. Um, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Uh, that would be a yes. I believe this. Is, yes, Fast Seven was the final one uh, with Paul Walker. I got you. Um, but they do this insane stunt that is. N- there's no way in hell a living, breathing person could pull this off. <laughs> they. They're trying to get this dude's car, specifically his car. I don't know why. I wasn't really paying attention. Because it's Fast and Furious. They like cars. Yeah. They still they still loop it back to, you know, like Lamborghinis. And after Fast uh, 5, uh, I stopped watching. I just didn't care okay. anymore. It got too ridiculous. I can't that. believe you went all the way to 5. Well, I didn't even see Tokyo Drift. I saw, I saw, I didn't even see the first one. I saw Too Fast, Too Furious, because uh, that's when they introduced Tyrese Gibson. Mm. Uh, I didn't see 
I didn't see uh, uh, Tokyo Drift, even though uh, that was when you know Bow Wow was still. Uh, uh, a thing. Wow. I know. It's a while ago. Uh, then I saw Fast and Furious, then I saw Fast Five, and... Uh, so you're not going to go see Hobbs and Shaw? All right. No, that's probably not. Because, <laughs> uh, okay, because coincidentally, did you know that um, uh, I, J- uh, Jason Statham, his character, uh, Deckard Shaw... His brother was played by Luke Evans in Fast Five. Yes, Fast Five. Wow. Uh, And they kill his brother Uh in Fast Five. Oh, no. Spoilers. And uh, then that's how they loop it back to Tokyo Drift because Jason Statham is the one that kills the Asian guy in Tokyo Drift. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, back to the whole... That's very convoluted. But also, I mean, good job. Good job, Fast and Furious, guys. I know. Anyway, so back to Furious 7. So so they're trying to get this guy's car because something in this car has like a chip or something. Can I stop you? Is this the one with the submarine? No, that's Fate of the Furious. Oh, okay. That's the one... That's... Because... Awesome. Like, I'm going to keep going off on tangents about this series because it's just a... Because mo- I do know there's a submarine in one of them. It's like I, an old World War II submarine. Yeah, it's, it's Fate of the Furious. It's the most recent one. Because okay. it's... Because this series, man, like, they rake in so much money. I know. And they know how ridiculous these movies are. Uh, welcome back to the Fast and Furious podcast. <laughs> a podcast I would never want to be a part of. <laughs> so anyway, so, so they're trying to get something out of this guy's car. And uh, Ronda Rousey uh, is this guy's bodyguard uh, for some reason. Because she's Ronda Rousey. Oh, yeah. But anyway, well, so they decided to, they're going to drive his car out of the room that it's in. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to also mention that they're in, like, the very top of this, like, giant skyscraper. Okay. uh, Like, this dude's penthouse. And... Like, it, it was built kind of parallel to another skyscraper. Okay. So they decide they're going to drive the car out of the skyscraper and land in the other skyscraper. And miraculously, Dom, Vin Diesel, and Paul Walker managed to make it to the other skyscraper. And the whole time I'm watching this, because I, I looked up this scene because everyone's like... Yeah, man, they, they and I was like, "There's no way." So I looked this scene up, and it was yeah. absolutely ridiculous. So kind of that's awesome. Bring touching back on our horror episode of suspension of disbelief. Yeah, there's no way. No. I mean, like I know I just said a good heist film should have an element of the ridiculous, but not to but that not the ex- whole thing. Not the whole thing. Oh, okay. No. So, um, but no. So like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's very funny. It's yeah. That sounds crazy. Yeah. It's and. And, and like I said, they know that these films are just crazy. They so do. they're just like, you know what, let's just go for it. Yeah, like, and the trailer for Hobbs and Shaw, I think he... <laughs> sorry, I go to the movies a lot, so I've seen the trailer <laughs> to Hobbs and Shaw like four times. Did you see the new one where like they actually have like... Um, I guess they go to Hawaii... Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I've seen. Oh, yeah. See that. See that part. I thought was cool because you know, like, you know, the the rock is of, you know, s- s- 
Simone. I, yeah, I don't want to say the wrong terms, but you know, Samoan descent, uh, which I think is the coolest culture ever. I, I would love to understand that culture. I will say that was the only part of that trailer I thought was cool. Well, they had him pull a full Captain America where he like was uh, holding a helicopter, right? He's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, these guys are superheroes. Oh, oh yeah. So yeah, he's holding onto the helicopter. And he's like got a like chain, the yeah. chain to the. the he's holding onto the truck or whatever. It's crazy. It's so ridiculous. Like, anyway. Uh, oh my god. That's pretty much the Fast and Furious franchise in a nutshell in one shot. That's yeah. That's be, it. That's yeah, what you're because, doing. Because uh, Jason Statham's driving the truck and the Rock's got the chain because he's trying to hook it to the helicopter, isn't mm-hmm. he? And I then guess. He's, yeah, then he's got his hand on the helicopter. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, like I said... A good heist film should have a um, an element of the ridiculous, you know. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Baby Driver, you know his his driving skills. Yeah, insane. But I wouldn't say out of the realm of possibility. I know people oh, no. can drive that way. Oh no 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 no, and and that's why I think that I think that's why Baby Driver is so good. Can I tell you the most outrageous thing about that movie is what? that in the first getaway, those two red sedans happened to happen. Right, that was crazy. I was like, come on, you know? But I gave it to him because I was like, it was really cool. So, I mean, mean, they all had sunroofs. Shit. And and, and you want to know what's really funny? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Edgar Wright, who wrote wrote and directed uh, Shaun of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End, and Baby Driver, Driver, uh, he was only able to make Baby Driver because he was let go from Ant Man. Man. Yeah. it's a little upsetting. I would love to see in a version of his version of Ant Man, but I mean, they used his story, so Good. it's close enough. Um, but no, I think another movie uh, on my list that is, you know, that ha- has this the the ridiculous that we were talking about. I'm trying to I'm trying to find it. Um, I should have wrote down more movies. Oops. Ooh, can I can I give you one that's ridiculous? Yes. Uh, but it's so much fun, and my dad is so excited that I'm going to bring this up, is Snatch. Okay, I've always wanted to see Snatch, oh. especially because, uh, and I'm not sponsored in any way, but sponsored by uh, Sony's Crackle. Oh. Uh, you know, they did, a, they did a show version of Snatch. Oh, that is correct. With uh, Rupert Grit, who yes. was Ron from uh, Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go Snatch. So it is hilarious. Isn't it? A, it's Guy Ritchie, isn't it's it? It's Guy Ritchie. That's yeah. right. I love Guy Ritchie. Right. So so we know people are going to have super thick Cockney accents, and they're going to talk really fast. And right? there's going to be a lot of violence. And there is. And it's just a bunch of people trying to get this diamond. <laughs> and That already sounds like a Guy Ritchie movie. And they're all, they're all idiots, right? I mean, they're. I mean, I wouldn't say like idiots. They're not idiots through and through. I mean, they're good at their jobs, but somehow this time they just can't do it. You know what I mean? It's because it's like uh, they're like lovable idiots, right? They are lovable idiots. Uh, and, you know, and Jason Statham, isn't it? Well. Uh, and, yeah, and Del Toro. I love Benicio I was about to say, doesn't Brad Pitt so in it? And Brad Pitt is fantastic in it. He plays a gypsy, <laughs> and. His, so he has my two favorite lines, which is, you like dags? And they're like, what? Goes, you like dags? And they're like, one more time? Goes, you like dags? He goes, oh, dogs. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Sure, yeah, I like dogs. So, <laughs> he is so hard to understand, and, um, and that's the joke, right? Okay. And... 
they they really want to get a new. They call them caravans uh, in 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 England. Uh, mm-hmm. They're trailers, right? Mm-hmm. And and so so that's how they meet Brad Pitt in the first place. Is they're they're needing a new caravan, and so things happen. Brad Pitt screws it up for him, right? He is a bare knuckle boxer. Oh God! And they need him to take a fall, and they can't. He's too good, right? Yeah. So he knocks this dude out in one punch, right? Whatever, and you know, so he screws it up for him, and they don't get the caravan. So then they make another bet for another caravan, and um, and Brad Pitt goes, uh, "Okay, make sure it's uh, Periwinkle Blue." And they're like, "What?" He goes, "It's not for mates, for mama." You know, Periwinkle Blue. It's not for me. It's for my mom. You know, it's the best. My dad and I say it all the time. <laughs> Anytime something is blue, we'll say, that's Periwinkle Blue. Oh, it's not for me. It's for my mom. You know, um, and Snatch is so, there is a scene where Benicio Del Toro's on the phone mm-hmm. with uh, Dennis Farina, uh, R.I.P. Dennis Farina. Okay. And every time it cuts back from Dennis Farina to Benicio, he is wearing different clothes. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's at a he's at a tailor, right? Oh, okay. But I mean the conversation is still, you know, we haven't jumped in time, you know? It's just <laughs> every time we cut back to Benicio, he's wearing different clothes. <laughs> you know. And like with a cigar and one and then a hat, you know, and then a different suit. And <laughs> it's ridiculous and it's so funny. And the whole movie's like that. And it also stars if any Walking Dead fans are out there, um, the guy who plays um the guy with the stick. Shit. What's his name? Uh, there's several people. Oh, with sticks? Uh, uh, uh. I don't remember. I don't know. I'm so behind on the Whatever. Walking Dead. Um, if you wanted to know how British that guy really is, because he doesn't play a British person on Walking Dead, but um, he's very British, and <laughs> he's got a Cockney accent. Now, um, speaking of Guy Ritchie, I kind of want to, I kind of want to keep it going because he, would you say, um, did you ever see Rock and Roller? No. Okay. But so, I've heard of it. I mean, I know about Rock and Roller. I've just never seen Rock. It's got uh, Gerard Butler, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, um, uh, Tom Hardy. Oh, I love Tom Hardy. Uh, he plays Handsome Tom. Or Handsome... Oh, my God. Because uh, his character is, is, is uh, Handsome Bob. That's right. Okay. So, so you haven't seen it. It is, it is a crime. Uh, I wouldn't consider it a heist film because they don't... They're not trying really to steal anything. Mm-hmm. Well, except for a picture. Like, it's got, um, oh shit, I can't think of his name. I have it up. Uh, Tom Wilkinson. I love Tom Wilkinson. He, he's like the, um, he's like the mob boss. Okay. You know, no one can see me quoting. And, but he's, he's kind of losing his touch in, in the London underground. Mm-hmm. And so he makes a deal with like one of the new up and coming mob bomb bosses, and the up and comer mob boss is like, okay, in show of good faith, I'm gonna loan you like my most prized painting. Mm-hmm. And you know, we never see the painting. Okay, mind you, we only see the back of the painting. So it's kind of like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Exactly. Got it. And um, and he's like, just hold on to this for a couple. I think it's like a couple days. And then in good faith, give it back, and I'll know that we are in business. Mm-hmm. And so Gerard Butler, Tom Hardy, Idris Elba are kind of like the 
the ground men of, of Tom Wilkinson's operation. Gotcha. Uh, Mark Strong is his, like, right-hand man. I love Mark Strong. Yeah. And he has hair in this one. It's That's w- weird. It's weird. <laughs> but he has a really cool name, Archie. Archie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and so <laughs> and so the, the story's played out from different perspectives, kind of like uh, kind of like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Okay. So we see, like, Idris Elba, Gerard Butler, and Tom Hardy, like, what they're having to do on mm-hmm. the streets. Because eventually, the painting gets stolen. Oh, no. By Tom Wilkinson's son, played by uh, Toby Kimmel. Okay. Or uh, Kebble. He, uh, I'm sure he didn't see it, uh, but this is the only movie I can think of. Did you ever see the remake of Fantastic Four? I actually did. Oh, he's Doctor uh, Doom. Yeah. Uh, well, in this one, he's like coked out in the entire movie. Yeah. And it's so funny because the whole the whole th- whole movie is revolving around this idea of a rock and roller, mm-hmm. uh, and and like and I and I think they're using this term as a uh, as a. Uh, um, Almost like the the main mob boss. You know, great. Okay, great. Anyway, um, so anyway, so the whole point, like I said, I wouldn't consider it a heist film, mm-hmm. but the whole point of it is they're trying to get this painting back right. to the guy, because uh, then eventually. When Tom Wilkinson tells him, like, I don't know where it went, the guy pretty much is like, okay, we're done. If I find anyone that has it, I'm going to kill them. Right. Uh, And Thandie Newton is in it, Mm -hmm. and Gerard Butler and her have a thing, Mm -hmm. but she's also having a thing with that up-and-coming mob boss. Oh, no! Uh, And somehow the painting gets to her. Because no one talks about what the painting looks like. Right. Which, you know, which us as the audience, we don't even know what it looks right, like. Right, we don't know what it looks like either. But when the up-and-comer finds it in her apartment, mm-hmm. he thinks she's the one who stole it. Oh, no. So, yeah, Danny Newton dies. Spoiler oh, alert. no. Spoilers for rock and roll, though. Uh, but, I mean, kind of, kind of. so, anyway, kind of so keeping... it's kind of a biased movie, Yeah. Right? Yeah, they're just trying to find this painting. Oh, and also, Tom Hardy's gay. <laughs> And they don't know that until he makes a move on Gerard Butler. And Gerard Butler's like, you're handsome Bob. What are you doing? It's it's really funny. So I would say it's like Snatch, because Snatch is people trying to retrieve this diamond. Okay. Okay, and different people come in possession of this diamond. Mm. All right? And so I would say yes. Okay. It's not a traditional heist film, obviously. Uh, like Snatch isn't really either. Okay. Um... But yeah, I would say it is a quasi heist film. film. Yeah. Now, also keeping with Guy Ritchie, would you also say? Have you? Did you ever see Lock, Sock, and Two Smoking Barrels? No. Damn, I was really hoping you'd say yes because I haven't either. And <laughs> I've heard it's. It. I've heard it's great, so we're not going to talk about. Well, it. I know that it's it's the one before Snatch, and it's not. Yes. It's not really a a sequel. It's kind of like you know how Goodfellas and Casino. Mm-hmm. Are linked together. I, it's the same thing with that one. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I read that Snatch, uh, have, Snatch and Lock, Sock and Two Smoking Barrels share kind of ideas and themes and yeah. motifs, but they're not the same movie. Right? No, they're not, and the characters are different and things like that. You know. Yeah. Uh, but so is Goodfellas and you know Casino. Right. I mean, they're just yeah, same so. actors and similar situations, but they're different, right? Yeah. So, um, all right. 
So let's go with a heist film that the heist never gets to happen, which is Dog Day Afternoon. Okay, so I have not seen this one. Oh, my God. But I know it's got Al Pacino. Yes, and um, and John Chazelle. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast before, uh, John Chazelle has a very interesting... Um, setting in film history. Okay. Uh, he is he was in five movies before he died of cancer. All five were nominated for best picture and three of them won. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I know. That's, that's so cool. That's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, he was actually dating Meryl Streep when he died. Oh. They met um, I think in Deer Hunter. Oh, okay. Which is the last movie he was in. Anyway. Um, okay. Dog Day Afternoon. Okay. Um, it is based on a true story. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of looking up. Is that it's uh, that they you that they change some of the names for the film, mm-hmm. but yeah, like what the actual people that they were based on's names were. Right. Um, and it is about a bank robbery that goes horribly, horribly wrong. Okay. And that they just can't get it together. Uh, Al Pacino and John Chazelle just. You know, but they do end up getting the uh, support of the staff at mm-hmm. the bank. Um, they get lots of media attention. They, you know, I mean, it becomes a huge deal. Yeah, because I was about to say, like, is it one of these heist films that it doesn't work out because they end up trapped where they're yes, pulling they off do. the heist? And okay. they do end up, they're in the bank. They're trapped okay. in the bank, right? Um, and interesting, um, this film has a, uh, Al Pacino's character mm-hmm. is actually, um, dating or not married to, cause he's married to someone else, but he's dating a transvestite. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is, which is really ahead of its time. This is like 90, or, uh, I'm sorry, 75? 75, 75. 75, right. And it's a Cindy Lummet uh, film. Okay. Uh, Cindy Lummet is fantastic. He did, um, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't write it down. I'm going to talk about this one in a second, but okay. <laughs> he did Network and uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, which is... Um, I think I saw that one somewhere. Oh my God. I can't believe I didn't write that one down. Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. We'll get to that. Anyway. Okay. Um, so... Right, so they're trapped in this bank, mm-hmm. and so the heist never really gets to happen, right? Okay. We do see it start. We see it unfold. The, this is where we get the the shotgun in the flower box, right? Oh, um, okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I know about that. Yeah, and so, and they just can't, they just didn't, didn't do it in time, didn't do it right. Did, uh, as we were talking about with, like, the motifs of, of, of heist films, mm-hmm. did we see the plan? No. No, we are we open on them starting the heist, right? Oh, so the rest of the film is them and just the aftermath. They of get stuck that yeah. the, the heist didn't mm-hmm. complete. Oh, okay, right. And they, I mean, they get to be on TV. They get interviewed. They, I mean, it's the almost wilder. Yeah, it's. It's kind of like the idea that Oliver Stone wanted for um, Natural Born Killers is that we make sort of celebrities out of these horrible people. Oh, okay. Or out of these bad people, and that's kind of what happens. Okay. You know? And they do end up getting the support of, you know, people watching at home. They're like, oh, just let him go. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. you know, the people in the bank are like, just let him go. 
you know, and hmm. it's fantastic. Dog day afternoon. Okay. I'll have to, yeah, I'll, I'll have to look into that because uh, uh, another one I want to mention, uh, but I I'll, I'll, want to hear about this before the devil knows you're oh, dead. Oh, man. Yeah. And then I'll talk about the one uh, that just kind of popped into my head. Okay, great. Before the devil knows you're dead. Okay. Ethan Hawke. Oh, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, you love Ethan Hawke. I do very much. <laughs> Ethan, if you're listening, buddy, I love you. Um, With Joe Schumacher. Yeah. They're probably listening together. Um, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm-hmm. I know. R.I.P. And Albert Finney. Oh, okay. Uh, Albert Finney's the father. And um, Ethan Hawke and Philip Seymour Hoffman are brothers. And this movie is told... It's the same time frame, but kind of like what you were saying in, in Rock and Rolla, it's, I mean, it's done probably a little more obvious. Okay. Um, so we start a couple of days before the heist, and then we follow this one person till the time of the heist. Okay. Then we go back a couple of days before the heist. Mm-hmm. Different person this time. We're following this person. Some of them overlap, right? Okay. And so for for a while, we don't know why it's such a big deal, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, the heist didn't go correctly. Okay. All right, we do see that, you know, someone gets shot. Uh, the owner of the store got shot. She, she died. Okay. Um, it was some mom and pop jewelry store, you know, but they get away, you mm-hmm. know? So we don't really know what's going on. Well, with, I mean, spoiler alerts for Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, by the way. Uh, 12-year-old movie. It's so good. Um, we do find out that Ethan Hawke and Philip Seymour Hoffman plan the heist together. Mm-hmm. We know they're their brothers, and their parents own the jewelry store. Yeah. The woman who gets shot is their mother. Oh, my God. I know. So we do see all of this just unfold one perspective after another, just more information, more pieces of information until we have, oh, my God, I know why this is such a big deal now. What the hell's going on? You know, yeah, it is so incredible. And it feels like a six hour movie because we keep going back in time like that. Uh-huh. But it's still so good. And Marissa Tomei is also. Good. So do they do they explain why they want to rob their parents jewelry store? Yeah, because they know it's insured. <laughs> they know it's insured. They so know, they know it would, their parents would be okay. And they knew that they wouldn't be there. It was supposed to be someone else, but the mother decided to work that day. So I'm assuming they assembled a team. Kind of. They do get one other guy to do it with um, Ethan Hawke. Philip Seymour Hoffman didn't do it with him. He just okay. helped plan it and whatever. And then he was just like, do it and we'll meet up. Later. Ethan Hawke's the getaway driver. The other guy was in to do the actual stealing. So he's the one who killed their mom. That's right. He didn't know it was their mom because, again, she wasn't supposed to be there. And so I'm kind of—do they uh, do they reveal that this guy killed their mom? Mm-hmm. And how do they react? I mean, obviously, they're well, because we do get to see them. You know, we do see— you know, after we, we get to the heist, uh-huh. now we go, you know, one day after, right? Okay. Here's Ethan Hawke one day after. Here's Philip Seymour Hoffman one day after. Here's Albert Finney one day after, right? And we do we do get their three perspectives on afterwards as okay. well. So um, obviously they know it went wrong. Obviously they didn't mean to do it, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's just that, you know... 
it happened. So now yeah. they have to deal with it, right? And how? Do they do they ever explain to their dad that they were the ones who? Well, I'm gonna let you watch the movie. Okay. That out. Uh, I've said too much already, um, but it is an incredible movie. It okay. is uh, Cindy Lumet's last film, uh, and oh, man, so well done. Okay. So, so the movie I want to mention, and it's probably the first heist movie I ever saw, All right. um, is was, and I didn't realize it, but and I need, I'm gonna pull it up because I'm gonna, I want to make sure I get the date correctly. Okay. Okay. It is the 2001 uh, remake, or is it a remake? Or and they just, might, I think they just used the title, uh, Bandits, with Bruce Willis and uh, oh, um, oh my God. Uh, uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Right, Billy Bob. Yes, and a kick by chat. Um, I, this is probably the first heist movie I saw, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand really what was happening, uh, but it has stuck with me since, and I still love this movie. I think it's really? great. Huh? I think it's funny, because kind of what you were mentioning, you know, kind of going back to what you mentioned earlier, you know, the Italian job brought humor right. into these heist films, and... I thought it was hilarious, and I, uh, of course, seeing it at uh, it was 2001, I got to do math, uh, it, was, it was about 9 or 10, you know, seeing uh, Bruce Willis and Kate Blanchett uh, mack on each other mm-hmm. was uh, a little startling. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? What? What is going it's on? Like, ah, Bill, I was gross. Yeah, yeah but, um, but then when I rewatched it... I want to say a few years ago when I rewatched it, I was like, wow, this is actually a really smart heist movie. Yeah. You know, that they kidnap the the bank manager mm-hmm. beforehand, and then they just stroll into the bank, steal them, and then they're gone. Um, and, it, and it's very... Uh, and it's so crazy because... I kind of what we've been talking about. I feel like it, it kind of breaks those rules of a heist movie because they don't really assemble a team. Mm-hmm. It's just Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton, and then they recruit um, Bruce Willis's cousin to be their getaway driver, mm-hmm. or no, to, to be their lookout. He was their lookout slash getaway driver. Yeah, uh, but that's the team right there. Um, and then all they have to do is. Kidnap the bank manager, or not kidnap, they just spend the night with him and, like, we're gonna go to the bank, no one's gonna get hurt, and yep. we're gonna rob you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, and I remember the first bank they do, Bruce, uh, Bruce Willis knows something's up because he's asking the bank manager, like, yeah, what's the all clear? And the bank manager's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And he's like, the all clear to let everyone know everything's fine. And he's like, oh, what? Like, what do you mean? And he's like, dude. And he's like, Benjamin's facing the inside. And he's like, what do you, what? And he scrolls the, he moves the blinds and the blinds turn and they all shape a hundred dollar bill. I I loved it. I, and especially the end, how it was this huge, big, you know, because the you know the movie kind of like what you were saying with dog, uh, uh, bad dog day, or dog, dog, day, dog afternoon. day afternoon. God, yeah, that's all right. My brain is not working, and I have it written down right in front of my face. <laughs> um, is you know, have, you've seen Bandits, right? Two thousand one. I don't think I have. Oh, okay, so so the whole film starts with um, the the Billy Bob Thornton and Bruce Willis's. 
uh, final heist. Uh, Joe and Terry, that's their character's name. Uh, It's their final heist. And it's going wrong. So kind of like Dog Day Afternoon, um, they're robbing a bank. And they they get trapped there because it goes wrong. Right. And so, you know, there's media coverage and, you know, and the whole time they're trying to, you know, they're making demands with the police. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, if we don't get what we want, we're going to start killing hostages. And it starts to kind of play backwards. They were both incarcerated for something. Uh... I don't know, but they've always been friends, and so they were they were in jail for something. And they decided to break out. They break out, and the first thing they do is <laughs> they rob a bank. Yeah, uh, with a highlighter, um, because they get out. They steal a concrete truck to get out of the the jail, um, and then they steal this lady's Volkswagen Beetle, mm-hmm. and uh, Bruce Willis is rummaging through the glove compartment, and he finds a highlighter. And he presses it to the back of the security guard's neck mm-hmm. and just like, don't read, don't turn around, just reach for your gun and give me your gun. And they rob the bank with a highlighter. Nice. And no one dies. And they, they make a clean getaway. And they um, then they spend the night with these teenagers who's the this, this girl, her parents are out of town. And this is where they get the idea of, you know, how we're gonna we're gonna rob these banks very cleanly. By kidnapping the bank manager because we spent the night with them right. the night before, and so they're going and they're going, and then they meet Kate Blanchett, which is kind of she becomes kind of the Yoko Ono of the group because after they rob the bank, they lay low for like I think a week or two before they do it again, so that way no one could figure out their pattern and where they're going and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Kate Blanchett kind of becomes their Yoko Ono because she sleeps with Joe, Bruce Willis's character, and they're madly in love. And I should also mention she's a married woman who's run away pretty much. Oh. Uh, but they're madly in love. And then when a getaway from one of their heists goes wrong, because they get away clean, everything's good, because the their getaway driver also has fallen in love. Uh, they're kind of messing with each other's cars as they're driving down the road and they end up getting in a wreck. And so they have to separate. And Terry, Billy Bob Thornton, takes Kate Blanchett because Joe's like, take her and go. Get out of here. Go, go, go. And they hook up. And so then they're in love now. And it kind of throws a wrench into everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as it's revealed through all these back. You know, these these flashbacks and everything. The final heist was a big twist. They're going to rob this bank in the daylight. They're not going to do it there. All the way. They're just going to rob the bank. Yeah. And it's revealed that it was all part of the plan. They planned on getting all this exposure. They planned on everything because uh, it ends in a shootout and they think they're dead. So they shoot each other and everyone thinks they're dead. And it's all just blood squibs and they still oh, end up yeah. stealing the money nice. and make a clean getaway and it's it's a really good it's really that's good heist a, film that's a that's a really interesting thing you bring up is that trope of the audience thinks they're doomed but mm. really they're not here's the plot twist right. actually it was all planned right that's a that's a thing in heist films that happens a lot mm-hmm. especially in the oceans movies right oh yeah um, no. but anyway so let me, I want to bring up two more movies. Okay. Um, 
And let's start with Inside Man. Okay, I think I have that one written down. Yes, I do. I have not seen it. It is, pro- man, I don't want to say it's my favorite Spike Lee movie, because it's not, because I think it would probably be Do the Right Thing or, you know, whatever. But anyway, maybe 25th Hour. But Inside Man is definitely the coolest one. Okay. Right? And Denzel, right? Clive Owen. Oh, love, love Clive Owen. Right. And this is one, it's a heist movie where we don't know the plan. Okay. Right? Um, and we're not rooting for the bad guys. Okay. Uh, Denzel's our good guy. He's the, he's the detective in charge of the case. Okay. And Chiwetel Ejiofor is his right hand, his other detective who's, you know, mm-hmm. um, playing second in this, uh, in this role. Okay. And we're just seeing this all unfold. We're we're watching the I don't know the bank robbers. I guess we can call them. Um, you know, do sort of weird things, and we're like, "What's going on, man?" Mm-hmm. None of this makes any sort of sense. He's making the the hostages dress like them, right? Okay. Which is smart. Yeah. Um, and we've we, we're seeing them switch places. Okay. You know, like them acting like hostages and bringing people out. We thought that person was a hostage. Really, they're not. They're, you know, with them or whatever. It's insane. Okay. Right? And there are so many twists, so many turns. I don't want to give anything away. I know we've been spoiling a lot of movies. I cannot spoil this one. Okay. Inside Man. Um, not everything's what it seems. Um, Jodie Foster's great in it. And uh, uh, yeah. so is Christopher Plummer. Uh, everyone's great. Even Willem Dafoe's in it for a few no, minutes. No, no. Yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Inside Man, you have to see it. Okay. It is a non-traditional heist film, but it is one of the best ones I've ever seen. Okay. i got to add that to the list of movies I need to see. Yes. Uh, all right, last one. You ready? Okay. Last one I want to mention now for the podcast uh, is Rafifi. Okay, so I have that written down. I yeah. saw that it was considered, because it's a French film, isn't it? It is French. Uh-huh. It's considered like... Like an amazing heist film. It is. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's, it does what you brought up you like about it, and so do I. I love montage. Okay. I love trial and error, mm-hmm. right? So when they're trying to figure out how to silence the alarm, that's so exciting to me. Right. I have no idea what it is. I love it on everything. Anything that has montages or training <laughs> or figuring stuff out, you know, by trial and error, I love it. Whatever okay. it is. Anyway, this movie happens to have it. 1955. Yeah. Uh, it is in uh, French, and it's actually, this has nothing to do with anything, but it is, and it has been the background of my phone for a long time. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so it is a diamond heist. Mm. Um, and so this guy gets out of jail. Okay. He says, listen, I heard about this place. It's got some diamonds in it. Okay. <laughs> I want those diamonds. Okay. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And he assembles a team. And they're like, hey, man, we have a problem. And okay. Like, What's that? He goes, watch. I bought this. This is the alarm system they have in the back. Okay. And so they put it up in a basement, right? They hook it up roughly where it would be in the bank. Okay. And he slams uh, a hammer right next to it, and it goes off. Okay. Sound. (laughs) We can't make any noise uh, because it will go off. Okay. And they're like, okay, well, what are we going to do? He goes, I don't know. Let's find out. So so they've decided they have to 
they have to chip their way in from the ceiling. So okay. they're getting a, a hammer and a pick and pick their way a hole into the ceiling. And so we'll go, okay, well, we need to do that, but we can't make any noise. <laughs> so how do we do that? And it's okay. like, okay, well, let me try. And so and so we watch them try, right? We watch them click, look, <laughs> right? They click the hammer, and then they look at the alarm, right? Okay. <laughs> click, look. Okay, that was fine. A little bit harder. Click, look. Okay, a little bit harder. Click, boom, goes off. Okay. So like, shit! <laughs> you know? Um, so what they decided to do was cover the hammer up with a towel or some sort of, you know, like a shirt or something. And that really does quiet it down a lot. Like uh, we did with our uh, comforters. Like we did with the comforters and the blankets. Yep. And why, hopefully, the sound is better in here. Yes. Um... Exactly. And so then they're like, okay, well, once we get in there, what do we do? Okay. And they're like, okay, well, let's find out. Let's see if we can open it. They open it, it goes off, right? Mm. They jiggle it, it goes off. They do anything, it goes off, right? You click the wires, it goes off, right? And so they're like, God, what are we going to do? And this guy said, hand me that. And he hands him a fire extinguisher. It was okay. And back then, or at least in 1955, France, <laughs> um, it was foamy liquid inside. Okay. And so this thing has vents like you would see in a locker, right? Okay. And so they, they found out if you scored it in there and you hit it, it's not going to go off. It's going to muffle the sound. And, oh, okay. And it won't go off. And they're like, okay, so once we get inside, now we have to score it with this thing and we're good. Yeah. All right? So the entire heist is 30 minutes, not a sound. All right? Okay. Because they can't. They can't talk, right? And so for someone who has, you know, uh, who does read a lot of movies... Yeah, but wishes he didn't have to. This thirty minutes is wonderful because <laughs> I don't have to read anything, right? Because no one's talking to each other, and it's probably the most well filmed heist in cinema history. Okay, it's Rafifi in these thirty minutes. All right. Okay. So they do this ingenious thing too, which you probably wouldn't have thought of. Neither would I. Which after the hole is big enough. They're like, uh-oh, <laughs> we're, we're spilling stuff on the ground. So this guy gets an umbrella, pushes it through, opens it, and it catches the debris. Um, I know. I know. I'm telling you, everything is thought out. These guys are geniuses, and you're just watching this thing unfold, right? Okay. And even once they get in and muffle the alarm, it's still not done. And now they need to get into the safe, and that takes a while. So... It's brilliant. You're on the edge of your seat. It's so suspenseful, and it's very much worth the watch. Rafifi. Now, <clears throat> kind of, because I have a question, because, you know, we talked about it in our noir episode. Um, you know, you said they, you know, you mentioned that any crime films, they weren't allowed to get away with it. Mm-hmm. Do they get away with it? I'm not going to tell you that. Well, I mean, it's a French film. It's also not an American film. Yes. Um, So that also doesn't give it away, which is nice. Um, I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. Um, It's too good not to say. Okay. All right. I I think I'll put that one at the top of my heist films I need to watch. For sure. It is part of the Criterion Collection. So if if that streaming service is up yet, because I know Filmstruck got... uh, 
unfortunately got shut down. Um, oh, okay. I think Criterion has their own f- streaming service at the moment, so uh, that way, yeah, I think it's also on iTunes. Okay. Yeah, so to kind of wrap everything up, which um, I think everyone should be happy, probably I think our shortest episode together, besides right. Back to the Future, Yeah. Uh, hour and 15 minutes. Wow, so far. Hey, yeah. that's not so bad yet. Uh, just kind of wrap it up. Um, you would probably say that the reason why us as audiences, we gravitate towards heist films because it's it's just cool. Well, I mean, not crime is cool, but the planning, the execution. Well, this crime is cool. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it is the planning. It's the execution. It's hard work. Yeah. It's hard work that pays off right. most of the time when we watch these. Right. And, and you just want them to succeed. You're in it with them. You know? Oh, man. And I just thought of another heist film. I can't believe I didn't mention it. I even thought of it. Uh, Tower Heist. Oh, yeah. With, with Ben Stiller. I didn't see that. Uh, it's good. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite... I'm going to just briefly talk about this because I did just say, and, you know, to summarize. Uh, any, one of my favorite Eddie Murphy lines across any of his movies... <clears throat> Because he's uh, he's the guy they <laughs> they use to help them plan this. Yeah. Because you know they're all concierges and 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 helpers of this hotel. Uh. They don't know how to pull heist. And Ben Stiller knows this guy from when they were like in high school together. Mm-hmm. And so Eddie Murphy's essentially training them on what they're going to have to do. This and that. And he talks about getting shot in the face. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you know, my friend got shot in the face. So he'll never do that again. And they're like, what do you mean? Isn't he dead? And they're like, no. I said he was shot in the face, not in the head. And they're like, yeah, that would kill you, wouldn't it? He's like, no. When you're shot in the head, you get, you die. When you're shot in the face, it goes in through your cheek and out your other cheek and you live. <laughs> and the best explanation ever. And it's really good. Uh, great cast. Ben Stiller. Casey Affleck is also in okay, it. Okay, great. Um, Eddie Murphy. Um I think Michael Pena and oh, yeah, I love Michael. Alan Alda. I do love me some Alan uh, Alda. And, and he is revealed to be the biggest asshole in the movie, <laughs> and I love it. Because yeah. the whole movie, because he, he lives at the top of this penthouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's a hotel, or it's an apartment. I think it's a hotel, but he owns the penthouse. Mm-hmm. And everyone in this hotel loves him because, you know, he's such a nice guy. You know, yeah, he's got a lot of money, but he's a nice guy, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but then it's revealed uh, he's just an asshole. Yeah. It's very slowly it's revealed. And then when it hits them, like, oh, my God, he's an asshole because he gets indicted and the whole hotel's going to shut down. Mm-hmm. And Ben Stiller, I think, is the manager. And he's like, I'm not going to let all these people, these nice people, not have a job. And so they decide right. to rob Alan Alda. But right. I learned what the word indicted means by watching Fun with Dick and Jane. Dick and Jane? <laughs> indicted? I'm going to be indicted? Indicted? Exactly. And, he's, and you can hear him outside the house. I'm going to be indicted. Yeah. I, Dude, uh, we were talking about another heist. Oh, man, we could. Why no, didn't we bring it that one? Because I'm. I'm I've already told people we're gonna wrap it up. I know. Well, too bad. We gotta we gotta do it. Honorable uh, mentions, Hell or High Water and Public Enemies. Those uh, are my two. I always ones. wanted to see uh Public Enemies of Johnny Depp, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's yeah. a really good one. It is really good. Um I I don't really have any honorable mentions because the uh as I told uh said to you off <clears throat> off mic, my list, I don't know who to hell who the hell put together this twenty five best heist films but they're 
plebs and Rafifi wasn't even number one, which is so uh, it's number seven. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess I guess my my honorable mentions are Tower Heist mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, Fun with Dick and Jane. Okay. I mean, even though it's not technically a heist movie, it's technically more so just a crime movie because they yeah. just start robbing people. But it eventually turns into a heist movie, kind of melding genres. Yeah. You know, comedy, crime, drama, heist. Uh, probably one of my probably my top five favorite Jim Carrey roles because he's not so over the top. Yeah. Except for the part when he has one drink and gets drunk. Oh, that's right. And, like, he's the corporate slave marionetted. That's right. That was funny. It was great. He's, um, he's great. Anyway, so uh, we hope uh, everyone enjoyed this this nice little break of a uh, shorter episode for me and Jeremy. Yeah. Because I've been told that we can get pretty long-winded. Yeah. But it's still fun. It is fun. So, in closing, I, I mean, I would say that, you know, like I said, people love heist films because they're procedural. Mm-hmm. We're, we're on the journey with them. You know, I think it's easier to be against these guys if you didn't watch them plan it. Honestly, right. I think that's probably what it is. Yeah, if they if they were just, you know, just rob, you know, it sounds like a first grade term, robbers just going in to rob a bank. Right. And, you know, and it sort of helps the protagonist not be one of the uh, one of the robbers, mm-hmm. um, like in Inside Man, or just like hey, he's a bad guy, right? Because yeah. our our good guy's Denzel, yeah, right. So that does make a difference. It makes a difference on who is the protagonist, who we're following, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to whether or not we're going to root for him, yeah. Um, even though I did kind of root for Clive Owen a little bit in the Inside <laughs> Man, <laughs> I like heists. I had a feeling that Clive Owen was probably the bad guy, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, everyone, we we hope you enjoyed our, our, our little. Uh, history of heist films and you know not listing movies like we did with our horror movies for three hours for three hours yeah and uh, we hope you tune in next week and thanks for listening Uh, especially you Joel Schumacher thank you Joel yeah alright 